Hello folks! Today I'm really excited to share an episode of The Attic Monologues with you. The Attic Monologues is an urban fantasy horror podcast about fate, friendship, and the power of narrative. The episode you're about to hear is the first episode in their second season. Whilst I'd highly recommend going back and listening to all of season one at some point, this is a great introduction to the series. Season one followed Nix, a university student, as they read through a collection of strange monologues they found in the attic. As they continued to read, they began to realise the monologues, and in fact their entire world, aren't quite what they seem. Season 2 picks up with Nyx after a lot of new discoveries have come to light. This show is also directed by, and features various characters played by, Ellen Clohessy, who you heard as Alice in Season 1, and you will hear as Alice again. She is a wonderful, extremely talented person, and I cannot recommend enough any show she plays a part in making come to life. Enjoy! Plainer Prod presents The Attic Monologues Episode 21 If This Be Magic A boy is dragged into the dark. He does not understand the full extent of why this is. He does not understand yet that he is chosen. But he will. As he sits in the dark, he begins to realize he is not alone. There is no one in the room with him of this he is sure. They leave him alone for days at a time, knowing that the darkness will twist itself inside him, knowing that loneliness is a far greater torture than anything they could do to him. But he feels it, like the shadows pressing against his skin, like something cracking open his ribcage to stare inside his soul. There is something watching him. Perhaps there always has been. He begins to realize then that he is tied up in strings. His thoughts and actions are his own, and yet... And yet... Are they? Are they really? Without the thing watching him to pull him along, would he have ended up here in the dark? He knows they will come for him. He knows the dark cannot last forever. He aches with the need for sun. When he is back out there, back on solid ground. These thoughts will recede. His mind will be his own. He will be in the dark a very long time. But this, this is not that story. Stories are like their protagonists. They come and they go. 
and they are interchangeable, mostly. You have been waiting in the dark. It is a metaphorical dark, unlike the one that came before you. And yet you have been walking in your dark for so long that when the light comes, you are sure it will break you. It sears your eyes and burns your skin, and your very bones feel bleached and torn out under a microscope. And yet, it is only the first of many suns, and each will burn brighter than the last. You think, in the end, you might have preferred the darkness after all. This is it, I guess. Indigo Hawkins. A soul desperate for magic. Magic is real. <sighs> I always... I always knew it, but, I mean, I'm in my twenties, you know? I was getting too old to believe in magic, to go on a quest, to be special. And yet, let me start at the beginning. When I found the door to the other world, I was not afraid. Is that ridiculous? Probably, it's ridiculous. But I grew up on stories of worlds hidden in the back of wardrobes, portals to infinite worlds through pools in a forest. I have always been certain of magic. Certain it exists. Certain that one day, if I believed hard enough, it would find me. I mean, look at the world. That... Really? 
That's all there is? No. There was no way I was supposed to live in a world where there was nothing else. Nothing beyond. There was no way I could. So when a door appeared in the middle of the road one night, I felt no fear. There was only relief. Finally. Finally, my story could begin. Finally, my life had some meaning beyond existing, beyond surviving day to day. I was walking at night when it found me. Just wandering. It was night and I shouldn't, but I needed to be outside. Away from my parents. One moment I was crossing an empty road and then in the space between blinks there was a door in front of me right there in the middle of the road. Old wood, a worn brass knocker, peeling purple paint. Indigo. I knew then that I was chosen. I didn't hesitate. I'd read enough to know not to question. Seize the moment or it could slip between your fingers. Sometimes magic only gives you a single leap of faith. I knocked on the door. And it opened. On the other side was... Void. Not just black, but an absence of anything. I'll admit, I was scared. My feet hesitated, unwilling to part from solid ground. I always thought when I found my destiny, I would be unafraid. I wouldn't doubt at all, not for a second, not at any point. I've always ached for the unknown, so why should I fear it? The unknown is a little intimidating. And it's right in front of you. So I stood, facing the void, on the precipice of adventure. I could have stood there forever, until the sun exploded and everything became void. And then, as if the city knew I needed a sign, there it was, a whisper of wind, and with it, the scent of a whole other world. Burnt sugar, smoke, freshly cut wood. I stepped into the void. For just a moment, I was nowhere, the breath between my feet lifting and falling. There was no sensation, no sight or sound or smell. I couldn't even be sure I had a body. And then I was through. It was as if a blindfold had been removed from my eyes. As if I had only ever viewed the world through water. As if it had been a photograph left to fade in the sun. In the city. It was all colour. Super saturated. Exploding in my eyes. 
colours so strong they seemed to leak from the objects that held them. Fabrics that shone in blues and golds and greens. Candle and cauldron fires that burnt red as blood. Flowers, the sort of bright pink you don't believe can exist in nature until you see it for yourself. It almost hurt just to see. But I couldn't look away. I'd stepped out into a square. There was a market set up, the kind where every stall is different, where the design of every hut is unique. I couldn't decide what to look at first. On every side, the square was lined with buildings, at least four stories high. They looked like old manor houses or small castles, crumbling stone, thin glass windows that were so old they had remembered they were liquid and became thicker at the bottom. I don't know anything about architecture, but I felt as if I had stepped back in time, hundreds of years gone in the space of a footstep. The ground beneath my feet was uneven with cobblestones, just as ancient, just as... There's a feeling you get when you find a part of a city that looks much older than the rest of it. Maybe it was the only bit that was untouched by bombing in the Blitz. Maybe it's a protected heritage site. One moment you're walking past steel skyscrapers and the next you're transported. Everything feels smaller, safer, calmer. I used to think that feeling was the closest I would ever get to magic. Turns out that's just what magic feels like. Anyway, back in the real world, the sky had been the typical slate grey of a London autumn sky. Cold, thick, depressing. In the market, in the city, it was different. Still clouded, but where blank grey had been, there were purples like crushed grapes, yellows like dying grass. The entire sky was a bruise weighing heavy against the ground, and the air was still thick but charged, like that ozone smell you get before lightning has been building up for a hundred days. The world felt electric. I felt electric revitalised. This was a weather for burning things, for breakdowns and revolutions and the world falling apart. I could have stared at the sky and the buildings forever and been satisfied. But there were people and things, a carnival of curiosities, all there for me to explore. But as I did explore the market, I began to notice the gaps, the silences. What had first been hidden behind an explosion of colour became obvious. The market was very nearly empty. Every other stall was closed for business, and yet the vendors outnumbered customers two to one. There was a hollowed look to each of them as I passed calling out to me to stop and peruse their wares. They were desperate. Just like me. 
couldn't bear to look at them. How could I have found a world so beautiful, so full of magic, and seen my desperation reflected back at me? Did magic not shore up all the hollows in the meaning of life? Did it not make them happy? Fulfilled? What was there to life if not this? I went to the nearest stall I could find, one filled with glinting silver charms laid out in a midnight blue silk. The man behind the table stood a little too fast, a little too desperately when I approached. It made me feel sick. Was this what others had seen on my face all these years? The naked want? I didn't have the patience for half-granted wishes, so I asked him what happened here. He looked nonplussed. What do you mean? he asked, wary. Look, I told him, I'm new here, so just tell me, why is this place so empty? His face changed. Still that naked emotion, but this time it was closer to hope. Hunger. He struggled for words. The city, he said, finally. It's dying. Has been for generations. Dying. Emptying. Falling apart. And that's when I knew. Why I was here. Why the door had chosen me. I was here to save the city, save magic. These people had lost hope, been wrung down and drained for generations. Who knew how long there even actually was? They needed someone like me. I could be the hope, the light. And then... And then... And then you appeared. You appeared at my shoulder and you said, Welcome to Trinovantum, my dear. I do apologise for the lack of welcoming committee. We used to have people watching for doors, but as you can see, we hardly have the people to spare these days. I was so starstruck by you. You seemed even more real than the world around you. More in focus, as if the source of gravity in our space was you. You continued talking, and all I could do was listen. Will you permit me to give you a guided tour? I'm afraid it has been much time since we had a newcomer to our dear city. Do you have any questions? So many all of them, but in that moment, all I could see was the soft smile to your lips. The ink stains on your fingers, the grey streaks in your hair. You were more fairy tale than anything I could have dreamed of. And then. And then. I remember 
having tea. The tastes exploding across my tongue. I remember my fingers dancing across book spines, old and leather-bound, written in a language I didn't recognise. It might have been Latin. And then... And then... Why don't I know what happens next? Why don't I know where this story goes? What did you do to me? I have to say, a little intimidating is a bit of an understatement. We're definitely taking this whole thing a lot better than me. So, this is the thing. This is everything. How long has this been sitting in my bedroom? In a pile of monologues that look just the same. Months. I could have picked it up at random, at any time. I could have heard the name Trinivantum and, and what? Guess that something was happening? Something real? <laughs> What's the likelihood that I would have put two and two together? I can barely remember what day it is. But wouldn't it have done something, anything, to prepare me for whatever the hell this is now? But I never read it. Somehow, every time I reached, my hand missed this page. Fate? Is that a real thing? Or am I just that unlucky? Who were you, Indigo Hawking? Why were you written? When were you written? Speaking of that, now that I've read you, where will you be? Do you reappear in the place you were when you vanished? I mean, I assume you haven't all been appearing in my bedroom and just been really sneaky about it. But <laughs> what do I know? No one really explained how any of this works. Except my part in all of it. My job. Simple, really. Just magically release the hundreds of prisoners living under my bed into the world and hope that the potentially omnipotent deity watching my life is just chill with it. <laughs> this, all of this, is ridiculous. I'm talking about magic, like it's the weather. Like it's a totally normal thing to be talking about. How am I supposed to know what's real and what isn't now? Magic. Maybe fairies are real. Maybe Greek mythology is a fact. Maybe A Midsummer Night's Dream is biographical. Who's to say? Maybe Ambrose. Maybe he'd know. 
don't think I can face him right now. I can't imagine how Bella feels. It's been months for me, but years for her. Years of only knowing half the story. How do I talk to her about it? How am I supposed to comfort her in the face of that? I barely know how to talk about feelings when I'm drunk, let alone sober and losing my mind. Maybe. Maybe I could. No. No, if this is all, if it's real, I, I can't. Just, I want it. So this is the thing. This is all there is. Me. These monologues, you, the author. Was Indigo supposed to be me? Why did you take them? Why haven't you taken me? If only there was a way to talk back to you. Here we are anyway. On to the next one, I guess. Hey, future Nix, it's Bella. Nix. I'm recording this for you, for everything I, I can't say, for everything I'm too scared to say to you, for everything you deserve to know. If, when everything goes wrong and you hate me forever, I hope I can at least show you that I was trying my best, that I, I made a mistake, but it wasn't, I wasn't trying to know who I'm trying to fool. Nothing can fix this, or make it better, or... But it makes me feel better, I think. That I can imagine I'm telling you everything I've wanted to, but never could. I used to dream about it, you know? Telling you. It was one of my favourite daydreams. Imagining all the ways it could play out. On my bad days, I imagined... Well, it doesn't do to dwell on those days. But sometimes, I'd let myself dream it well. I would lead you through a door that isn't always there and show you all the wonders of the world. 
I take you to the raindrop market, show you all the magic at every stall, the smell of magic in the air, the potions boiling and the charms glowing. I show you all the crazy, wonderful people there, all the things they can do or, or transform into. I would take you to the shelves of stone and show you all the books there, everything you could ever dream of, all the plays Shakespeare could have written, not just the ones he did in this world, doorways to worlds you could never imagine. I would give you a bouquet of Aea Flores and get to see the wonder in your eyes as you saw their blossoms open and close like breathing. I'd I, I, I turn into a crow. Right there in front of you, I will transform and show you my wings, fly for you, do anything you wanted me to. I would sit you down and tell you everything and you just listen. You would believe me without question. You would understand and everything would be right with the world. <sighs> Everyone is angry at me. They're right to be, I know. I just... I never planned it this way. I didn't want any of this. Ambrose is the worst of all because he's not angry. I, I mean, he's disappointed. He says he'll support me no matter what, but I know it's breaking him inside. He doesn't deserve this. If it goes on much longer, I think Athri might just tell you. Not because they particularly care about you. No offence, really, they don't particularly like many people. But because Ambrose would let himself break before he does anything, and they won't let that happen. Either Athri will tell you, or they'll kill me. Or both. I'm not sure which option would be worse. Oh, if I just had more time, if I could just plan it perfectly, now that I know it has to happen, if I could have been the one to bring you into this world, if you could have seen the beauty before you saw the shadows, now magic will only ever be awful for you, tainted at the very least. It's ruining your life. And soon, so will I. I'm so sorry, Nix. You deserve so much better than this. You all do. I'm so sorry. Nix. I want nothing more than to hug you right now. You're just across the hall, and, and I can hear you if I try, just reading. You've been at it for hours. I, I haven't seen you since yesterday. I, I don't know if you've eaten or slept or drunk water or brushed your teeth. I, I don't know if you're three bottles deep, and I couldn't even blame you if you were. I'm terrified of you turning to dust in your room. I'm terrified you'll disintegrate and I won't even know and I'm just listening to a ghost. But I can't interrupt. Because what would I say? For all my dreaming, there are no words on my tongue.
usually I'd ask for your advice. Or I'd just be honest with you. And you'd help me lay my thoughts out right. You'd be the first to reassure me. I don't think that will work here, somehow. Thank you so much for listening to The Attic Monologues. If you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us through our Patreon or Ko-fi to help us compensate the hard work our team puts into every episode. You can find the links in the show notes below. Alternately, you can leave us a review, whisper to the wind, or tell enemies and love interests and friends alike to listen. This episode was written by Morgan Greensmith and produced by Morgan Greensmith, Ellen Clohesse, and Soren Brywood. It was directed and script-edited by Ellen Clohesse. The sound design is by Anna Leclerc, and the theme tune was composed by Wilkie Morrison. In this episode, you heard the voices of... Atlas Morgan as Nix Ryland. Bonnie Calderwood Aspinwall as Bella Crow. Alistair Stewart as the author. The logo was designed by Soren Brywood. The social media is also run by Soren Brywood. You can find us on Twitter at Attic Monologues and on Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook and TikTok at The Attic Monologues. For more information on our show, our crew, our policies and other shows made by our people, visit our website www.planarprod.com. Episode 22, Birds of a Feather, will be out on Wednesday, September 13th. See you then! You've reached Mix Nix! I'm probably rooting through my bag trying to find my phone right now, and I'll answer in three, two, one. In which case I'm probably asleep. Or my phone is under my laundry. Or dead. That's a very real possibility. Though whether I'm talking about me or my phone is up for debate. You should probably just text me. It's easier. Hey, 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 how's it going? Me and Seth are rooting for you. You've reached Mix Nix. I'm probably rooting through my bag trying to find my phone right now, and I'll answer in three, two, one. In which case I'm probably asleep. Or my phone is under my laundry. Or dead. That's a very real possibility. Though whether I'm talking about me or my phone is up for debate. You should probably just text me. It's easier. Judging by your silence, I'm guessing it went either super well or super bad. Let me know if I need to provide party poppers or tissues. Love you! Or just, um, yeah, just text me. Cool. Thanks. Hey!
How's it going? How are you? I haven't heard from you after yesterday. I hope you're doing okay. If you need anything, I'm just a phone call away, okay? Text me back when you get this. If you enjoyed this episode of The Attic Monologues, you can find a link to their website in the show notes, or look them up wherever you listen to your podcasts.